make sure you follow them out, get them checked in. And uh, a lot of things coming up. Pay attention to the stuff in your program and the things that Israel just shared with us. And um, man, some good stuff. The book Draw the Circle is on the back table if you want a copy. It's a 40-day devotion book that we're going to be using during the 40 days of prayer that are coming up. And so there are copies available back there. Uh, Please don't wait. If you're going to get a copy, grab a copy so that I know if I need to order more so that we can have them here before we start on uh, July 22nd. So I'm excited about that. I'm just excited about what God's doing. I think this time of prayer uh, is coming at the right time for us. We've got a family meeting coming up at the end of the month, a business meeting on July 22nd, or excuse me, July 25th. I did it. I was wrong. July 25th and August 22nd. We've got two of them coming up that you're going to want to be a part of. Watch for a letter that I'm going to mail out to you this week explaining some of those things. And uh, man, God is just good. By the way, Israel, love the shirt today. I am unstoppable wherever you are. That was a great shirt. Did anyone notice the shirt? I'm unstoppable. Okay, good times. So, all right, if you got your Bibles, go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. This is, uh, if you didn't know, this is the week we celebrate Independence Day here in America. And God put a word on my heart a few weeks ago that I intentionally wanted to share uh, today. And the next three weeks are going to be kind of special weeks where I believe that God is speaking and doing some things that are different, that maybe are outside of our paradigm of what we maybe thought he wanted to do. And there are some things in our lives as individual believers that need to be aligned with God's truth. Okay? There are things that we do culturally in America. There are things that we do culturally because of how we were raised in church And there are things that we do that really don't have a biblical basis, but we have exalted them to a biblical standard. And over the next couple weeks, we're going to chip away at some of these things because you remember from Romans chapter 12, we are transformed by renewing our minds. Okay, so I know that when we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us and there's a transformation. But that doesn't mean that your mind automatically just catches up and it's all transformed. You have to set your mind on things. Again, if, you, if you're sitting in front of the TV all the time, nothing sinful about TV. You won't go to hell because you watch TV, but you won't get into the presence of God from it. I mean, it's just what you want, you got to start cultivating an appetite for. It's like going to the doctor and saying, Doctor, uh, you know, my heart's racing and my blood pressure's high. And he's like, Your cholesterol's off the charts. You got to change your diet. And he gives you a list of foods to eat. And you're like, I don't like any of those. And then you go home and you're like, Lord, give me a taste for these foods. Give me a taste for these foods. And then you go and you open the fridge and you eat something not on the list. Well, the Lord didn't give me a taste for him yet. How many of us would think that's ridiculous? Your doctor would. He would be like, you just got to start eating them. And then pray, Lord, as I'm eating them, start giving me a taste for these. And you, here's the thing. You will strangely develop a taste for certain foods as you eat them. But the scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Not pray that the Lord is good. Taste and see. So just an encouragement to you. Get in the book. So anyway... The, the next couple of weeks, we're going to dig at some stuff. Uh, next week, we've got our Royal Family Kids Camp um, commissioning service. So we're going to have a lot of guests in the room. So come early to get a seat. 
Uh, we're going to have at least 100 guests usually. Um, we have all of our staff that come, and the service is geared to commission them to go out um, from us. And But if you're not going to Royal Family Kids Camp, I promise you the message is going to speak to you just as well. The, the Lord is going to be present. Um, and so we do ask that you be aware that there are people here that are guests. And so we're not going to tell the Holy Spirit not to show up, okay? But we do want to remember that the, the Spirit is subject to the prophet. And so when the Holy Spirit moves on you next week, you can take into consideration the people that are here, and you can deliver whatever it is that has to happen in a way that somebody who isn't sure what's happening isn't offended or scared or confused about. Does that make sense? Okay, so we're just going to be good uh, hosts next week with all of these guests that are here. So just letting you know that. And don't worry, I meet with them on Saturday and tell them the same thing. So, you know, that what to expect if they've never been to our church. But a lot of them have been here, and uh, they're good with us, and we're good with them. But today, we're going to talk about being citizens of heaven. And I just thought as appropriate as, you know, this week, America, our nation, um, you know, citizens of America, but remember, we're citizens of heaven. And we're actually going to start in verse 15. I know it says 17 up there. We're going to start in verse 15 because I wanted to get this in there too. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. Now, you'd have to read the beginning of the passage to know what he's talking about, and that's okay. But I just want you to hear this. If you disagree... On some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. See, the cho- I mean, we have to do something. God will make it plain. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine, Paul says. Learn from those who follow our example. I have told you, Often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. We are citizens of heaven, first and foremost, before we are citizens of any nation on this earth. The Bible tells us, Peter tells us, we are strangers and aliens here on earth. So in other words, what's common or normal here on earth is not a part of our life because we are from another place. If you went to another culture today and you, wherever, another country in the world that you had never been and you went there, it would be radically different from what you're used to. And yet, sometimes as believers, we live in a way culturally 
that doesn't look much different than the world. And I'm not talking about the things that we usually put on this list, like smoking and drinking and swearing and watching dirty movies and things like that on the list. Just the way that we live as humans. And some of them I'm going to bring out as we go through this today. But I want you to see how he starts this passage first. You've got to understand, God is a relational God. He calls us into relationship with himself and with others. And the Apostle Paul says he's calling you into a body, into a, a group of people, and you should watch their lives. Follow my example, he says. Follow those who follow my example. God puts us in a local body of believers for our protection. He does it so that when we are in this body, leaders can watch our lives. They can affirm God's call on our lives. At times, the scripture even says that we have to rebuke each other if it's necessary. And so we're supposed to be following people who have a history, who have a proven character. We follow them. And Paul says, you're even going to at times disagree. Just because we have a history together doesn't mean we're always going to agree. We, there's going to be a disagreement. But if you stay planted, you're going to flourish. You're going to be tempted in times of disagreement to withdraw. You're going to be tempted in times of disagreement to go over to somebody else. You're going to get some teaching and say, well, that teaching over there, that person, that fits better than what I like at my church. But you don't have a history with those people. Those people haven't been proven in your life, and they know you. They don't know you. It's good to be around people that know you, because then when you say, hey, I feel like God's telling me to do this, and you're an impulsive person by nature, someone who has proven character in your life can come alongside you and say, be careful that you're not just acting impulsively. Now, if you're a person that is never impulsive, and you feel like the Lord wants you to do something impulsive, then that person may be the one to come alongside you and say, jump. You're scared, but jump. you got to jump. It's the time to jump. And that's why we need this body of believers. Paul says, pattern your lives in this way. Come together. Because, here's why. There are many, look at that word many, many who live as enemies of the cross. Please do not think that to be the people of the world. Okay, these are not people who have rejected the cross with their mouth. They just live as enemies of the cross. They're probably sitting in your churches, in your synagogues. They're probably worshiping with you. But their lives, the way they live, the way they process, the way they think, the way they're behaving, shows they're actually enemies of the cross. And look at what he says. They're headed for destruction. They're headed for destruction. Now, Paul uses an, an ambiguous language in this passage, and so scholars disagree. Who's he talking to? Who are these enemies of the cross? Some people think it's the Judaizers, the people who believe <clears throat> you have to keep the law, you have to be circumcised. You have to Remember we talked about circumcision when Matt was here? Everyone, anyone need a recap on that? Or we got, we're good. Okay, we're good. So those Judaizers, Paul might be addressing them. But others think he's addressing like the Corinthian church, the people who were claiming to follow God, but yet they were in, in sexual immorality and they were cheating on each other and they weren't treating each other right. So which group is he addressing? He's so ambiguous, we don't know. But here's the thing, he's addressing both. Because both of those ways are enemies of the cross. If you're adding rules 
that people have to follow to follow Jesus, you're an enemy of the cross. Salvation is in him alone. There's no rules that come with that to enter into the kingdom. If you're over here saying, hey, it's all about grace. You can live however you want. It doesn't matter what you do. I mean, just accept Jesus and he forgives you and he even forgives your future sins. So go ahead and keep sinning. When Paul clearly says that you can't do that because you've been brought into a new life. So both of those can be addressed here. Both of those paths are headed for destruction. And it's crazy. You, we think this one, you're in sexual immorality and claiming that Jesus is just okay with it. We, we look at that and we're like, yeah, that's headed for destruction. But the people over here that are adding rules, are they really headed for destruction? Yeah, because they're an enemy of the cross. Their God is their appetite meaning whatever they want. And these people over here want the rules. They feel safer when there's rules. The more rules, the better. And the people over here, hey, whatever feels good, just do it. Just go with whatever, whatever's in your heart. Hey, you have the Spirit of God, so I know the Bible says don't do that, but if it's in your heart, it must be Spirit-led, right? No. This book reminds us what the Spirit would be saying. So their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. Now, for the Jews, this would be, literally, this could be the word they brag about naked things. So they're bragging about their circumcision. They're bragging about their laws. The things that, that they should keep hidden, they, they think that's their glory. The people over here are like the Romans chapter 1 and 2 people. Not only do they behave immorally, but they approve of it, and they actually boast about it. The Corinthian church, they were proud that they had a guy in the church that was sleeping with his, his father's wife. They were proud of that. And Paul said, you should be ashamed of that. Okay, so both groups, they brag about shameful things. And then they only think about this life here on earth. See, this is the big one. They only think about this life here on earth. If we live as American citizens, and I love our country and I value it and I honor it. I, I believe the Bible tells us to live as good citizens, honor our leaders, and I believe honor means honor. Okay, I believe it means respect. So even if I disagree with someone, I don't have the right as a citizen of heaven to mouth off about it and to undermine their character. I can disagree with their position, but I don't get into character assassination because I don't think the scripture allows for that as citizens of heaven, might as citizens of America. But we live to think about just life here on earth. That's what Americans do. That's what we do. And that's the danger that can actually make us enemies of the cross. See, the Roman Empire was in, in control when the Apostle Paul was on the earth. And Nero hated Christians. He began to persecute them. He even blamed them for the fire that destroyed Rome. I mean, this, this guy was wicked. There was persecution. Yet, in the midst of all of that persecution, the church thrived. It thrived. And it kept growing. You see, the, the more they tried to, in, even back in Egypt, remember, the more they tried to kill the Hebrews, the children, the more they multiplied. It just, here's the thing. Persecution doesn't have to stop us. Stop running around like a chicken with your head cut off that America's gonna be persecuted. Then here's the thing. The kingdom will thrive. You can't stop what God wants to do. 
So you don't have to get all bent out of shape unless you're just really concerned about your life here on earth. Unless you're more concerned about your 401k or you're more concerned even about your own life. Pastor Andrew Brunson is in prison in Turkey. And his wife is in church ministering to people. Mal talked about this. This is okay. The church thrives under this. I'm not, here, please don't understand. I'm not saying I want this to happen. I want us to learn to thrive without persecution so it doesn't have to come. But I'll promise you, if we don't start thriving, God will shake everything that needs to be shaken. And if money's your thing, he'll shake the economy. If security's your thing, he'll shake our military. I mean, whatever your thing is, is you're relying on, he'll shake it. Because his goal is to get you into his presence to think about your life on hev in heaven more than your life on earth. So he'll, he'll take away the stuff here that makes us comfortable. Does that make sense? When Constantine became the emperor of Rome, what he did was he legalized Christianity. And he made it acceptable for people to be Christians. And then all of a sudden, the church stopped thriving and just stopped just started surviving. I mean, we just started living. And we took in some different cultures and we started doing some things that were culturally acceptable and it was okay to be a Christian. And we really started thinking more about our life here on earth than our life in heaven. And so there's, there's five things that I want to look at. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on each of them. Um, we're just going to talk through them. And the first one is, as Americans, we love our rugged individualism. We're Americans. You know, we, we have a strong work ethic, and we don't need anybody else. We can make it happen. That's just because we're American. Everyone has to, America. We're Americans. That's who we are. But in, as citizens of heaven, we're actually called to be connected to the body of Christ. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6 says, It's not by might and it's not by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Now, I believe we should work hard, and I believe we should work as hard as if, as, in the, the quote by Mark Batterson is, work like it depends on you, pray like it depends on God, because it takes both. And so I'm not advocating don't work hard. The Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. So hard work is important, but we cannot just work hard. We have to be spirit-led. <clears throat> Remember, the apostles had to wait for the promise of the Father to come so that they could go out. He didn't say, hey, I'm going to go up into heaven now, so go out and work hard and build my church. He said, wait for my spirit because your hard work won't be enough. And I need you to have my spirit. He's also a spirit of unity. Keep the unity of the spirit. So if we don't have the spirit, we can't have connection in the body of Christ. The warning came to the Israelites when they went into the land of Canaan. Be, a, be careful that you don't look back one day and think, look what our hands have done. Look at what we've done. I mean, with the Lord's help, of course. As citizens of heaven, we recognize more and more, without him, I can do nothing. It's not how good I can preach. It's not how great our activities are. It's not about me whatsoever. I want to be faithful. I want to work hard. But it's about him. The other part of this 
is this concept of just me and Jesus. That's an American concept where, you know, I just want to go into a church, I want to receive, and I want to go. No need to really be connected to a body. I just, you know, kind of, it's, I want to go for me, my family, get my needs met, and then, you know, I, I'm good. Or I'll just serve a little bit. But I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Now, guess what? You are a body part. I don't know what part you are, but you're one, okay? And uh, I don't even want to make any guesses. So you, as a body part, not wanting to be connected to a body, are just one part. Oh, but I have a spouse, so we have two parts. I mean, Americans, we don't need connection to the body. There are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. See, it's not really just about what you need. It's about what God needs you to do. Are we here for him or am I here for me? If one part suffers, all parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. But here's the thing in America, if I suffer, I don't want to tell anyone about it. You know, people gossip. I mean, there's all there's a list of reasons. By the way, curl your toes in because I may step where you are today. Um, but here's the thing. I got to do this because this is, this is an American mindset. I, people will gossip about me. People will, you know. Do you have to tell everyone everything? No. Because Jesus knew what was in the hearts of men, so he didn't give them more information than the Father led him to give. But should you keep everything to yourself? No. When we go to the doctor, when we have surgery, when we're in a financial crisis, I don't want to tell anybody, I just need Jesus. So what we're saying is, I'm this part and I don't need other parts. And we're contradicting the very word of God. But because we're American, it's what we do. But you're not an American, you're a citizen of heaven. And your father says, trust me. You're not trusting yourself to the people you're saying, help me. You're trusting me. And the bottom line is most of us don't trust him because we can't trust people that he's put in our path in this place. So I'm not telling you all of a sudden you've got to start telling everybody everything, but I'm guessing all of us need to start cracking open a little bit more and saying, I need you. Not because I feel like I need you, but because the word says, I need you. Imagine if, you know, Mal talked about Jacob and Julie Bach and Andrew and, um, I lost her name, Noreen Brunson, and how they have become examples for us how to live. Imagine if they just suffered in silence, didn't tell anybody. We lose our example. We've lost the example of how to suffer of a terminal illness. We've lost the example of how to suffer and deal with grief. We've lost the example of how to deal with imprisonment and uncertainty. And so when we suffer in secret, the body can't suffer with me. And the body is handicapped. 
So as citizens of heaven, we need one another. We've been called to be connected. All right, number two. Americans are great at this one. We, uh, it is my right. We know the Bill of Rights, or at least <laughs> we know what we've been told the Bill of Rights are. I would encourage you to actually find a copy of our Constitution and read it. Because what you are told by the media, it says, is not actually what it says. Just throwing that out there. So, um, what we demand as our rights, sort of like the separation of church and state, it's not there. What is there is the government will not demand anyone follow any type of religion. Okay, that's what's there. It doesn't mean you can't practice your religion wherever you are. But now remember, that means every religion. So then Americans have the right to practice Satanism. See how America, see how the, the we'll get there, but the Democratic Republic is really not God's idea. I mean, I know our founding fathers, some of them are Christian, and they used biblical principles, great, 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 but there's nothing in this book about a democratic republic. You won't find it, okay? But I don't want to jump ahead. So Philippians chapter 2. Don't be selfish. In other words, don't just think about yourself. Don't try to impress others. Don't pretend you're something you're not. Just be humble. Be you. Be real. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Why? Because you have to have the same attitude that Christ had. He wasn't selfish. He didn't try to impress others. He was humble. He relied on the Father. He didn't think of himself as better than he should. He didn't look out for his own interests. Remember when he wanted to get away? He still ministered to the people. I mean, he did draw boundaries at one point and had to get away because he knew his limitations. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his rights. He took the humble position of a slave. He was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. And he died a criminal's death on the cross. See, for us as Americans, there are rights that you and I have as Americans that God will tell us as citizens of heaven to lay down. I have the right to free speech. And I can post anything on my Facebook that I want to post. I have the right to free speech. And yet, as a citizen of heaven, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Only what is helpful for building others up. So I have a, to lay that right down. I don't have free speech. I have wholesome speech. Well, you know, that president, he is such an idiot. I'm just going to post this about him being an idiot. And yet the scripture says, honor your leaders because all leaders have been appointed by God. All leaders have been appointed by God. I know in America that flies in the face of the fact that we think we elected somebody, but nobody gets to any position of power apart from the fingers of the Almighty. He raises up and he brings down. 
Okay, so we can trust him even if our guy didn't win. I am so tired of American evangelicalism getting all bent out of shape when our guy doesn't win. Stop it. It doesn't matter who the guy or the girl is. He's, in, he's God. Now, petition, do all those things, try to get your guy elected, but if he doesn't win, don't act like the sky's falling because God's still on his throne. And he can use any ruler. He used Nebuchadnezzar. He used Nero. He used Pharaoh in Egypt. He can use anybody. And so don't act like our guy has to be there. So if my rights as an American violate the character and the nature of God, then I lay them down. But here's the other thing. If I have a right as an American that God says, or if there's something as an American I'm told not to do, so if they pass a law tomorrow that says, no one is now allowed to preach in the name of Jesus, then we have to say, I'm sorry, I have to. It doesn't say we throw down, get our guns, and we take a raid on Washington. No, because we have an example of it in the scripture of what happened. What did the apostles do when they were told, don't preach in the name of Jesus? They didn't grab swords. They said, hey, we have to keep preaching. So what did they get for that? Flogged. It's my right as a citizen not to be flogged. <laughs> if God says you're getting flogged, you're getting flogged. Because he uses it. And they left rejoicing that they were able to suffer for the name of God. Okay? And then he used that to actually strengthen the church. And then they prayed, God, hear their threats. They've told us not to preach in your name, but we got to do it. So you know what he did? He shook the building and he filled them with his spirit and enabled them to preach with boldness and have signs and wonders. I'm telling you, you don't have to get bent out of shape when they say stop preaching in the name of Jesus. You just have to trust he's got a plan. We've been called citizens of heaven, not citizens of America. Number three, we as humans love our reason and our logic. But sometimes it flies in the face of God's wisdom. And as citizens of heaven, we've been called to live with the mind of Christ, not the mind of human reason. When we look at a situation, we like to look at it logically. And I'm, hey, I'm with you, right-brained list people. I do the same thing. It's how I live. But I have got to learn it's not about my list, and it's not about crossing every T and dotting every I, because sometimes the Holy Spirit says, do something, and it doesn't fit on my list. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to go into a country where they want to kill you to preach the name of Jesus. It doesn't make sense. It's not practical. There's no logic for it. But if the Spirit says go, you go. And people are answering that call and have answered that call for years. And if we think, well, that doesn't look financially productive for us, but people are allowed to risk their lives, We've got to learn to hear the wisdom of God and not the wisdom of man. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, don't you realize that all of you together, all of you together are the temple of God and the Spirit of God lives in you. God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple. God's temple is holy and you are his temple. Stop deceiving yourselves. If you think you are wise by this world's standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness 
to God. I'm not telling you don't plan ahead, don't save for your retirement, don't make practical choices. But if you're going to only do practical things, you are going to miss the Spirit of God. If it has to fit into your human reason and logic, you will miss something. Because God will not operate within the realm of human reason and logic. Nothing makes sense. There are miracles in this book that don't make sense. And yet there's a disconnect in our minds as Americans because when we're faced with a choice, there's no way we're taking that choice. That's not reasonable. That's not practical. That's, it might just be God. And the only way to know is to get on your face and say, God, do you want me to make that choice? Chances are, if you don't want to make that choice, it's probably him. We all want God to do some great mighty things, but none of us want to be out there on the water where, without knowing where the rocks are. So we've got to study, we've got to learn, we've got to grow. And I think the more scientific knowledge we get, the better we understand the God we serve. I don't think science contradicts God. I think science proves God. The twisted and warped science that sometimes they present to us, that twists it, but it's not the same. I want to remind you, when the Israelites came to the, 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 the promised land, remember, 12 spies went into the promised land and all 12 spies brought back the same report. The land is good, flowing with milk and honey. The fruit, the produce is huge. It's great, but there are giants there. It's going to be hard. It's going to be very difficult. Ten, ten, the Democratic Republic of ten said, we can't go in. And two said, what are you talking about? God has said for years, this is ours. I know there's problems, but let's go. When you're faced with a decision to make, if God says go, those problems are not reasons not to go. Those problems are things that need to be overcome. So you need to take them before the Lord and say, God, okay, you said go, I'm ready to go. But here's a, here's a problem. How do we go around this? And he might say, walk around it seven times. Seven days. Uh, God Big walls, walk around it quietly? Hello? Is that practical or is it reasonable? No. But as many are the sons of God, they are led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God leads the children of God. Don't just rely on your intellect. Rely on the Spirit of God. And I'm quickly running out of time. So number four, the democratic republic versus the theocracy. Most American churches operate with democracy as their church governance. And yet the odd thing is, you won't find that in this book. And no one gets upset about that. No one gets upset that we have created an entire government of church based on America, and yet it's not found anywhere in here. I, I think it's best if I don't say much about that one. I'll just tell you this. I'll let the Holy Spirit speak on that one. But here I'll tell you this. The king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. He guides it wherever he pleases. You're, we're so worried about giving people too much power. If we give people too much power, they make choices. They'll do wrong things. I mean, if those people don't have the character to make right choices, don't put them in power. 
And if they get into power, pray for them. If you can't do anything about removing them from power, pray for them so they make wise choices. So instead of looking at our president and thinking, man, he doesn't make wise choices, pray. Pray way more than you post, okay? And for those of you that love Donald Trump but hated President Obama, okay, someday it'll come around again. So just remember what I'm saying today then because it's, it's the same both ways. And whatever the, the, uh, the lady who's just spouting off right now and everyone calling her crazy and all this stuff, don't get sucked into the madness, okay? Just pray. Pray. Honor the king, Peter says. Honor the king, the emperor, the ruler. Some people get around this in America and say, it says honor the king, but it doesn't say honor the president. <laughs> you want to be an American? Be an American. I'm calling you to be a citizen of heaven. The last one, and this one is important, so give me just a couple minutes. Exposing others versus covering others to bring restoration. Americans have a constant need. It's an addiction to exposing others. I mean, we look at the magazines, at the, the checkout lines. Look at all of the, I mean, we want to expose every movie star and every person and every personality. And you, did you hear about, did you hear about, did you hear about, oh my goodness. As a citizen of heaven, we are not called to expose others in that way. I'm going to try to explain this. In, Noah, in Noah's life, in Genesis chapter 9, Noah, remember, was drunk and he laid in his tent and he was naked. And his son, <coughs> Ham, went out and exposed his father to his brothers. You should see dad. You should see what's going on. And the other two brothers walked in backwards and covered him. Okay, they covered him. Now, why didn't they confront dad and say, dad, you should have known better. Here's the thing. When dad woke up uncovered, he knew, I mean covered, he knew what happened. Okay, so God's going to deal with him. Wasn't his son's place to deal with that. And so Noah actually curses his son and his descendants as a result of that. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Most important of all, Continue to show deep love for each other because love covers a multitude of sins. Now, we are not talking about ignoring sinful behavior or ignoring behavior that needs to be reported to proper authorities. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the incessant need to tell everyone about it. The incessant need to post it on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, or on Snapchat. I mean, hey, it's just Snapchat. It'll disappear in a little bit. But that's our need as Americans to, did you hear about so-and-so? Don't expose others. If it needs to be reported, report it. But the Bible says, restore gently those who have been caught in sin. Not expose them to ridicule and shame. In Ephesians chapter 4, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. 1 Peter 2.1, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Slander is how we make people look in the eyes of someone else. Write that down. 
Slander is how we make people look in the eyes of someone else. So if what you are saying about so-and-so to this person is true, it's still slander because you are making them look bad in the eyes of the person you're talking to. And the only person you should be talking to are the proper authorities to deal with that or that person directly or God Almighty. And any other form of talking... Oh, I'm just talking it out with my spouse. I'm just talking it out with a couple friends. Stop it. Slander of every kind. And we wonder why the churches in America are in the condition. Why, doesn't people, why don't people want to go to church? I mean, everywhere we go, we slander businesses. Oh, don't go to that business. You know that I went in there. I had to wait in line for 45 minutes. What are you doing? I mean, don't go up to this hospital up here. Man, they tried to kill me two times. I've heard that. I have heard someone tell me they don't go to this hospital because they tried to kill them two times. Can I tell you something? Who's in charge of you at the hospital? The doctor or God? My Bible says nothing can touch me apart from him. You're in just as much danger at any other hospital as you are here if you don't put your trust in him. Robert Morris recently from Gateway Church gave his testimony about a healing that he experienced. The first responders who came made a mistake. The doctors who did surgery on him made a mistake. And yet he tells the story and he can't stop praising the first responders for saving his life. He can't stop praising the doctors who saved his life. And yet they made mistakes. And when I got done listening, I thought, What? He never criticized them. He never said, I can't believe they missed that. And yet, as Americans, that's what we do. So here's the thing. Either stop putting down the the businesses and the doctors and the people in this community, or stop praying for God to move here because you're contradicting yourself. Don't pray for God's blessing on our nation or God's blessing on our city, and then with your words, nullify that. And by the way, when you spout off about the the hospital and then you say, hey, you should come to church with me. Man, you really need to meet this God I serve. He really takes care of everything. People aren't stupid. They see the connection. And unfortunately in the church, I know this sounds terrible. In the church, we don't see it. We don't see it. We've missed it. And we don't recognize how our slander is actually harming the kingdom of God. See, here's the thing. We have been called as citizens of heaven. We have been called to be connected to the body of Christ. We have been called to lay down our rights. We've been called to choose God's wisdom over our own wisdom. We've been called to trust that all authority comes from God. We've been called to cover others and bring restoration. And you know what that means? It doesn't mean I just ignore their sin. It doesn't mean I ignore their behavior. It means that I sometimes have to confront it. I don't want to do that. I really don't want to sit down with someone and talk about it because it takes so much energy. Doesn't it? It takes energy to do this, and I don't have that energy. But here's the thing. Ignoring it just makes it worse. It doesn't go away. Sometimes we think, you know, I've, I've sorted out my problems with that other person. You know, I, I've, I've put it behind me. 
No, you haven't. If you haven't sat down with that other person and talked it through together, it's not behind you. It's just beneath the surface until the next time. You're fooling yourself. It has to be worked out. And it's okay. We don't do it from a place of, you meant to harm me. We do it from a place of, hey, we've got to get this worked out. Let's stand together. I know that today's message was a little bit different. But I honestly feel like the thing that God has been saying to us as a body is, I'm speaking and you're not perceiving. And some of it is in this vein. I mean, these are things culturally as an American church that we sometimes deceptively buy into and the Word of God clearly contradicts it. And we've got to conform our lives to His Word. I mean, you can have reasons and excuses why this isn't going to work, but then what we've done is exalt our reason above His because He wrote the book. And so, Father... Today, we ask